Good evening, everybody. This is Matthew from Don't Unfriend Me. It is Sunday, November 29th, and it is wonderful to be with you in full color. Nonetheless, something I said I wasn't going to do, probably because I couldn't afford the right equipment at the time and get a proper camera in order to do full color. But here we are nonetheless, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Listen, we are going to talk about something since we started talking immediately about capitalism, be able to afford things, is we're going to talk about California, the once great state of California. And uh, I think it's going to be a good conversation. I lived in California half my life and returned uh, for almost five years. And I can tell you a little bit about it. But uh, we will always start the show the same way. Before we get into intros and videos, is tell a little story. And there was a man, and he was biking across the 101, and he would love to see all the beaches in California. And he would go all up and down the coast every weekend, just ride his bike. And on a particular stretch, right outside Malibu, where it's a little windy and not a lot of cars, all of a sudden the, the clouds part, and the sun shines through. And what the man thought was an illusion, illusion was Jesus was standing in front of him. And our Lord God was was there waiting for him. And the man was taken aback, and he says, My Lord, I, it's wonderful to see you. And he goes, Thank you, my son. I've been noticing you enjoy the splendor and the finer things of, of what I've created. And I was hoping that I could grant you one wish and any wish. And the man says, Oh, my gosh. Well, Lord, I really haven't given a lot of thought, but I will tell you what I do love is riding my bike up and down this coast and seeing this beach, and I would love to ride to Hawaii. But alas, I can't. The, the ocean's too large. So I would love a bridge to Hawaii that I can ride on my bike. Lord says, son, I, I don't think you quite understand. That's fairly materialistic. If you look at the amount of steel, the amount of asphalt, the construction that would take, and reaching the bottom of the ocean, the marine life that would be harmed, the waste. I, I, I don't think you're thinking of the right thing. And the man says, okay. And the Lord says, I'll meet you back here tomorrow. And why don't you come back and I'll meet you same time, same place. And the man says, okay, Lord. So he goes back and he thinks about it and thinks about it. And he finally has something. And the next day he rides and the clouds part and the Lord appears again. And he says, my son, what have you come up with? And he says, my Lord, I want to really understand my wife. I want to understand what she means when she says it's nothing. I want to know when she asks me if she likes her cooking, what she really wants me to say, or if she does look pretty in that dress. Or if I reach over to touch her and she pulls slightly away, what is on her mind? Help me understand so I can be a better husband and truly understand the confines and the, the inner workings of women. And the Lord says, would you rather have two lanes or four lanes on that highway? Well, I can imagine that that was a long story, but it felt good to tell it. Sorry about the little bit of lag up there. Sometimes the computer does that. Macs are fantastic computers, and they are the best for editing and graphic design. I love them, but occasionally they slow, but Microsoft is like a snail, so anyone that tells you different. My name is Matt. Don't unfriend me. It's wonderful to see you, and thank you so much for showing up and being a part of this show. Uh, you can see all my social media and everything else right below here. You can click on that. You can send me an invite. You can do all of those things. And 
I will respond and say hello to you too as people are reaching out to me already wondering where my show is at 7 o'clock at night. If you would do me a favor and please like, share, and subscribe and follow. You can go to Facebook and hit like. If you hit like, it means you can share my stuff. If you hit follow, you will realize and be notified of when I post new videos, when I go live. And then if you subscribe on YouTube, I would greatly appreciate it. Listen, folks, what are we going to talk about? Well, I started with a story and we're going to start with another one. And this story has been with me since I was a little boy. And I remember growing up in California. I remember being taught how to whistle from my grandmother. And I can whistle louder than anyone on the, on the planet. I have the, the, the whistle, the, that type of whistle, it's loud and it's fantastic. And everyone's heard it. She taught me how. And she could whistle just about louder than anybody. And before her passing and before I had seen her for almost 20 years, we had a contest and I did beat, beat the, uh, the nice old lady. But I will tell you, she taught me a lot of things. I grew up boogie boarding. I grew up on the ocean. I grew up with a pool in my backyard. I was a skinny, tan, blonde thing uh, who was an Adonis. And I don't know what happened, but I just loved it and looked like Namor or Aquaman, but without the green and orange, more of the badass Aquaman, I, I would like to think. California was a great state. It was full of blue-collar Democrats. It was full of Republicans. It was full of vast party differences. In the 50s and the 60s, there were undertakings of, of communism coming in through Hollywood, which Ronald Reagan quashed, and I can talk a little bit about that like I have before. There were union pushes, a lot of protests during the Vietnam War, and it's always been a healthy, balanced mixed mix of of politics. But what I'm talking about is when I refer to the sodium glow. And the sodium glow was a phenomenon that took place. And it was an interesting one. California, you see, it has streetlights everywhere. And they were this beautiful white daylight that you could play football at 10 o'clock at night, or you could play guns and with no fear. And it was amazing. It was illuminated and as kids, we absolutely loved it. It got very foggy in California all the time. As long as you lived somewhere within 100 to 200 miles from the coast, it was foggy always. And at nighttime, the dew would get all over the grass and we would slip and slide and we would play tag. And I remember fondly of running into a tree head first, having to get stitches and the nurse poured alcohol in my wound across my forehead. So I want to thank her for that. I remember that a lot, often in sweat-soaked sheets and nightmares. But the sodium glow, what is it? What am I talking about? Well, there was something that was decided by the electric companies as California grew and it realized that power was a difficult thing to do, especially with turbine power and water. And during the drought season, a lot of energy was imported from California from the Colorado River along with their water. And energy was a difficult thing to keep up with. And although there were a lot of lakes and streams and things to that effect, and running rivers that poured into a lot of the mountainous areas in Northern California. Southern California suffered from droughts seven to 10 years at a time. And energy was definitely a concern. So they moved and changed. And as we were playing, we saw miles down the road, all the way up our street, which was Neath Street. And it was a good three or four miles. And we could see slowly this orange monster every night would get closer and closer as they worked on the sodium glow. 
and the white lights were replaced and this horrible amber, orange, disgusting, intrusive color that would enter our bedrooms and turn it an eerie color of Halloween Eve year round. And when the fog came in, you couldn't see anything because it was blinding and would not cut through the fog. And it ruined our summers. And we were no longer able to see the football. And we were no longer able to see other people when we were playing guns. And it ruined our childhoods for summers at a time. And eventually we got used to it. But there was something that happened also during that time that changed California. And I refer to the Sodium Glow many times. I had a photography company that I called the Sodium Glow. Uh, My podcast, I've talked about the Sodium Glow. And today I'm going to talk about the Sodium Glow. And what it refers to is just the changing of California. And what once was an amazing state and a beautiful state is now referred to as the Communist Republic of California. And I understand that that's not 100% true. There's a lot of great Californians. There's a lot of Republicans left. There's a lot of blue collar left. But unfortunately, the leadership that's in California has destroyed the state. But this wasn't always so. It wasn't always this communist state that we see before you. I've taken a bunch of notes today because this is important to me. And I truly want to get it right. So although a lot of this comes from the old memory box, I want to make sure that I do it justice. When we looked at when did it really start? Well, it started with John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon. And this was an amazing, the first live televised debate. And I remember this well because I learned this in poli-sci, so I'm not going to go to the notes quite yet. But in 1960, John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon faced off. Richard Nixon was having a horrible bit of the flu. He was a sweaty mess. He wore a dark brown suit, a green shirt, and it didn't translate well to TV. He looked sickly and his face looked very, very drawn out. He looked ashen, and Kennedy, who was well-rested, who was in his hotel room, probably with several harem of women, uh, decided to go ahead and look as magnanimous as he has ever looked, and just was polished beyond reproach. This was a very close election in 1990. It was one of the closest ever in history. But this debate, a lot of people considered, was what absolutely turned it towards Kennedy. But Kennedy was not very popular. And California didn't help Richard Nixon at that time. And it actually went for John F. Kennedy, who was the Democrat. So in 1960, they went Democrat. But it was very interesting because a lot of the states that were voting one way, it was so close. It was very similar to what we just saw with Joe Biden and Donald Trump. From there, we go into 1964. California voted for Lyndon Baines Johnson, who was a former vice president who was on the coattails of Kennedy and his popularity. And after his assassination, 1963, Johnson took over the presidency. 1968, eight years after his loss to Kennedy, Richard Nixon went again, and he he won. He had a chaotic year of, of race versus the Vietnam War and the protest. He ran on the promise of law and order, similar to Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan. California voted for Nixon over Democrat Hubert Humphrey. And who wouldn't vote for Richard Nixon over Hubert Humphrey? 32 states helped uh, create that with a 300 electoral vote win. A Republican vote. 1972, most remember Richard Nixon and this photograph was an amazing 1970s scandal the resignation uh his two hunched two-armed fingers of 
I prosper in peace. Uh, but before the chaos of Watergate scandal, Nixon was one of the most lopsided presidential elections in history. California joined every state in the union, with the exception of Massachusetts, which is interesting. Um, he was an anti-war, anti-war Democrat, uh, George McGovern, who was not very popular. He only got 17 electoral votes. It was an absolute shellacking, only to be comparable to the 1984 election with Ronald Reagan and Walter Mondale. So once again, Republican. Let's see. From there, um, oh, on the electoral votes. Here's something interesting on California. California has expanded their electoral total. They are 55 electoral votes right now. But since 1848, they have expanded every single year. Now, a lot of that is to do with people mass migrating into California, but that's actually slowed down around 1976 to 1980. Prices in California got higher. And then in 1990, we saw the big shift to Democratic control and prices got absolutely insane. This is when there was mass exodus from California. But during that time, it wasn't because of increased population and people wanting to live there. What happened is illegal immigration became a thing. And so Democrats took over control. Democrats took over control. They didn't necessarily abstain from having that stop. And population grew, and therefore they gained more electoral votes. And even though California still cries and whines every day that they are not well represented in the Electoral College, they have the most electoral votes by far. 1976, Vice President Gerald Ford took over the Oval Office after Nixon resigned in shame, but his pardon of the former president didn't set well with America, and his fight with Jimmy Carter was relatively pretty insane. 1976, Georgia. It was a tight one. Jimmy Carter actually won out, and um, the country divided. 297 electoral votes and 240 for Ford, very close, similar to Donald Trump and Mr. Biden. California, however, was still Republican, giving Ford its 45 electoral votes. So once again, still Republican. Of course, 1980, we know what happened from there. As the most beloved Ronald Reagan, uh, my favorite president. Well, we can go into that. Um, after a very turbulent term with recession, with bread prices, gassing, gas prices, the Iran issue with terrorism and taking hostages that Jimmy Carter failed miserably to execute and <laughs> execute's a bad word, to, to extract them from Iran control. Ronald Reagan came in as swearing his first term, first day, that he would actually invade Iran and release the hostages. This had a huge pull with the American people. He was easy on the eyes. He was well-spoken. He had a lot more panache than, uh, than Carter. And this marked the first time in 100 years that a Republican candidate would defeat an incumbent Democrat, which Democrats gained once they were in office. They, they sat in office. It hasn't happened since. The rise of this conservatism following Reagan victory led to a political realignment to the right through the 80s. And we saw a lot of transitioning. We saw a lot of people leaving the Democratic Party. And this was almost an abandonment of the policies, very similar to what we saw and what we are seeing today with the Obama and the Clinton years, where Democrats are now changing into a more of a progressive, if not sometimes socialist point of view. This is another shift. It happened to the Republicans in 2014 with the Tea Party. An interesting thing that we also have to consider is that Ronald Reagan made a great statement, and he was known as the jelly bean president. And he said, you can tell a lot about a fellow's character by whether he picks all of one color or just grabs a handful, he once said. 
Ronald Reagan had an amazing term in 1984. Um, the incumbent president uh, beat out Democratic candidate Vice President Walter Mondale. And this was an absolute just shellacking winning 525 of 538 votes, still not as much as the previous election that I that I mentioned with the govern. But the only state to go was Minnesota, and it just happened to have more electoral votes than the prior. 1998, California voted for Republican president for the fifth time in a row with George Herbert Walker Bush. It was a massive win over Michael Dukakis and the GOP, a third consecutive term in the White House, which is interesting for you people to understand is that if Democrats hold the White House once they're in, this doesn't bode well for a Republican taking over Joe Biden. However, I think the Democratic Party doesn't resemble what it used to, which was a very moderate and middle of the road party. And it is no longer that. In fact, Republicans are more moderate now than the progressives. Interesting thing, blue states and red states, 1988, uh, didn't exist as we know them until the year 2000 after the rise of color television. TV networks couldn't land on a universal color code for decades or any type of code, not color code, because of black and white TVs. Throughout the Reagan area, the president's two electoral wins were often depicted with a blue Republican map on NBC. And this is how the red and blue were born. 1992, Democratic liberal stronghold that we know as California is today started and stopped in the 1990s. We see a slow progression of red, 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 and then a dominant wave of blue. And this is interesting. And although it has become more and more red over being the lower right is today, all the way to the top left was yesteryear of all the Democratic wins. And it is becoming more red and California will be in play in the next eight years, I would say, for the presidential election, because we see this throughout history, that states ebb and flow and change, and it's normal. The problem is, is the Democratic strongholds own about 60% of the population in those blue areas. And until Republicans make a push in there, it will remain a blue state until that stops. 1996, despite a record low voter turnout and the Republican winning the Senate and the House in 94 midterms, Clinton won a re-election over Bob Dole in 1996. California voted blue by a similar margin as in 92, continuing the state's new designation as reliably Democrat, but not necessarily an energetic crowd. If Republicans could have put forward a couple of candidates that would have been somewhat appealing to the masses, they would have taken California. But this started the downward trudge of Republicans recycling the same old politicians every single four years. And this is now what the Democrats are doing. Hence why we have a person who's been in politics for 40 some odd years and is considered to be the most diverse, white, older candidate that the Democrats could find, which is interesting. The year 2000, despite California giving Vice President Al Gore its 54 electoral votes by a 12-point margin, we understand that Governor George Bush came in and won the presidency. There was a huge Supreme Court fight. California was not in it, but ultimately, once again, voting for um, Al Gore. With the war on terror in 2004 and post 9-11, patriotism patriotism plays into the American psyche. George Bush won a tightly fought re-election battle with Massachusetts' John Kerry in 2004. The electoral map looked a lot like four years prior, with California continuing to vote Democrat and giving Kerry a 10% win in the state and handing him his 55 electoral votes. However, California was not yet 100% blue. 37 years after Reagan was elected governor of California, the state again elected a Republican Hollywood star to the position, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this is when the fall really started to take place. 
We saw California start doing overspending. We saw their policies change. They stopped worrying about infrastructure and started focusing on exports, bringing in water and energy from fellow states, getting into legal battles about their hotel industry that was consuming and taking tons of water. Deregulation was no longer a thing, and regulation squashed small businesses. Taxes rose for 25 years straight and have continued after that day. California has become an overpriced for real estate, for food, for gas, for electricity, for everything. Everything is more expensive in California. The nice thing about all the 49 other states is that there is always a trade-off of, I'll, I'll live in Georgia. It may be hot and humid. However, I can get a cheap house. Or I may live in upstate New York. It's extremely expensive, but... And there's always trade-offs. In California, the only trade-off is that everything is extremely expensive. And I will give you uh, a little bit of an idea of how expensive it is. Four of my friends moved out. We lived in an apartment, and we were spending $3,500 for less than an 1,800-square-foot apartment, two-bedroom. California is extremely expensive to live there beyond. And if you live in some of the more rural areas in Bakersfield and Kern Valley, there are absolutely some very easy and, and, and moderate homes to live in. But unfortunately, the jobs and the pay don't translate. Unless you are in oil or ag, there really is no point of living in those areas. So 2008, an election that would go down in history is one of the greatest for the Democratic Party in America. Barack Obama came in and absolutely destroyed John McCain. And once again, the Republicans went older and older and were more detached from the younger, more progressive or centrist movement inside California. And California felt disenfranchised with the people that they put in place. 2012, California gave Obama a similar win, 23% vote margin. Um, and uh, Mitt Romney, as with, against Mitt Romney in 2012, Obama regained the presidency with a 332 to a 206 electoral shellacking, 3.9% popular vote margin of victory. Incredible. And then in 2016, we obviously know what happened with Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. Um, California is a firmly Democratic state. All statewide elected officials are Democrats, including both U.S. senators and the governor. No Republican has been in statewide office since Arnold Schwarzenegger retired in 2011. But if history can teach us anything, it's that political tides can shift in a matter of years. Even in California, my prediction, that'll happen in the next four to six. But it's interesting because there has been this transition that has come up with California and this more progressive and this more diverse cast. We've talked about the candidates before in the primary. We had the first open, openly gay candidate. We had an Asian American. We had a Cuban American, um, two women, um, African American woman. Uh, we had a communist, Bernie Sanders. And we saw an incredible field of candidates that none of them at all resonated with America. When we take a look at most Democrats say race and gender of a nominee would not impact enthusiasm. But unfortunately, when you look at it, it is completely different than where Republicans are. Republicans don't look for who, who, who is a woman, who is black, who is white, who is green. There really is no care for that. It simply is what are the policies. However, progressives who say they're very, very diverse and they're very, very inclusive, certainly want their candidates to be that way, but not their ideas. And we're going to get into that in a little bit and the changing tides that we've seen.
2019, nearly half of Democrats identify as liberal. This is the first time that we have seen this. But if you look over the years 2003 to 2019, it is almost doubled where moderate and conservative Democrats are actually shrinking to a point where they're almost non-existent. And conservative policies don't mean Republican who don't believe in abortion. Fiscally, most Democrats align with the Democratic or the Republican Party. And that is no longer true. There is a very wide arc to the left. And if we look at the policies of California, and I will just name a few. I'd lived there and was born there in 1974 in Ojai, California. I left there in 1980, no, 1991. I left right when it really started to start changing. And I didn't recognize it when I came back. I moved back there in 2000, I think 13. And I lived in Bakersfield where I grew up outside of Ventura with family who lived there. And although it was very heavily Republican, things were happening. We were no longer allowed to buy ammo in bulk. We would have to submit background checks. The AR-15 that I had had to have a 10 round and a safety on the magazine ejection port where I would have to have a pin set to bring it out. I was constantly getting traffic fines from cameras that was against our rights and our liberties to be filmed and videoed. Freedom of speech was no longer free. You couldn't say certain things. You couldn't believe certain things. And if you were a Republican in California, you certainly didn't openly admit it. The sodium glow wasn't the only thing that changed. There were no longer flags. Couldn't see United States flags anywhere, hardly anywhere, except for those rural areas that I had already talked about. The beaches were closed because of constant toxic waste and medical equipment and infections and hypodermic needles. San Francisco was covered in feces. There was a homeliness, homelessness in Fresno, California, that would go on for miles behind all of the buildings and everywhere in California infrastructure, trash, bridges falling down. Fires would sometimes go untested simply because the funding wasn't there to stop them. California had become one of the richest economies and one of the strongest economies in the world as a state and had no money. They believed in spending so much that they never put back into the people. Social programs overtook the country or overtook the state and turned it into a welfare state. The police were never supported, and the social justice warriors held people accountable with cancel culture and decided to oust people publicly with doxing and embarrassment on social media. Corruption ran rampant inside the governments, and all of this has been going on, especially during COVID. As one of the states that you don't hear much about, but its lockdowns are some of the most severe where people cannot have Thanksgiving dinner. People have a curfew. They can't go to bars. They stop the sale of alcohol. And they're not allowed to do the basic and freest things in California that make it such a wonderful place or did make it such a wonderful place to live. A string of bad governors has absolutely caused this. Gavin Newsom wrote this actually yesterday. It says, Today is Small Business Saturday. California is home to over 4 million small businesses. This holiday season, shop safe and shop local to help support our economy and the over 7 million workers that help keep our small business going. Mr. Gavin Newsom's policy has shut down 
Over 26% of the small businesses in California, they are losing millions and millions of dollars and people are going on welfare at a rapid rate and unemployed in California. Gavin Newsom has done the opposite to help California small businesses, and he has never, ever followed the policies that he lay at the people's feet. He was just caught spending $15,000 in a bar with 25 other people and having a dinner after that earlier that day, putting more restrictions on the people of California. He is a hypocrite. He is a con man. And the yells and screams and protests to recall him and the petitions are getting larger and larger. California is up for a very, very rude awakening. If California turns red, it will change the election for another 20 to 30 years, and it is about due for that to happen. People are sick and tired. They are leaving California in droves. Tesla is leaving California. Ben Shapiro is leaving California. Joe Rogan is leaving California. And even the most liberal of liberal, Bill Maher, is considering leaving California. And it's happening because people understand there is a different way of life, a simpler way of life in the Midwest and the Southern states that they long for, where politics do not run the country. People run the country and the state and the towns and the cities. And that is something very, very different than what happens in California. There are rumors that they will secede, and we hope that they do. I would love nothing more to see California to have that earthquake. And I don't want people to die. And I don't want people to to go through anything like that. But I wish maybe they would all decide to go and travel east for the weekend and then have it split off and fall in the ocean. Because California truly has gone to a place that does not resemble America. It is now a socialist, communist country in just about every single facet. And it's only going to get worse. Folks, that's just my opinion. You do not have to agree with me. Don't unfriend me. But I do appreciate you listening. I love Cali. I love Disneyland. I lived there for more than half my life, and I will never, ever go back. <clears throat> if you wouldn't mind doing me a favor, if you wouldn't mind if you're on YouTube to subscribe, just give me a quick like, a follow on Facebook. That would also mean a great deal. Also, something that's important to me, if you wouldn't mind doing, besides that like, share, and subscribe, is if you could... If you need help, call the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. There are 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. It actually goes up to 24, 25 in the holidays. It is a lonely time. If you see these signs, if you see the things like traumatic brain injury or PTS, rear its ugly head, and you need help, you can reach out to me or any of the veterans on my show. We'll be more than happy to make that phone call with you. And if you are not a veteran, they will also take your call. It's not just veterans that need help. Thank you, everybody. God bless. And I truly appreciate you watching the show today. I will see you tonight when I go live. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.